Oh, hey there. Thanks for choosing to listen to Conference Talk. This is Shelby. And this is Kevin. Tune in each week to hear us discuss a conference talk by modern-day apostles and general authorities. We love y'all, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Conference Talk. (laughs) You always say it fast. Yeah. Conference Talk. Well, it's got an exclamation point at the end, so I could yell it, So, but that, that wouldn't really work with the recording, so instead I just say it really loud, or really fast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, welcome everybody. Today we are discussing uh, Bishop Gerald Cowes' talk um, entitled... A living witness of the living Christ. It was a good talk. It was a really good talk. Just so that I can report to our listeners and oh, to yeah. you uh, that I did look into what the presiding bishopric or the presiding bishop of the church is. And, and basi- what he does, right? Uh, right, and what he does. And basically, the uh, presiding bishop, um, really just like a bishop of a ward, is responsible for the temporal welfare of his ward or the church. And so the the presiding bishopric does a lot of things like they determine how to use um, at large on a, on a church wide scale, how to use the fast offerings um, and to meet the, the temporal needs of church membership. And of course, uh, I mean, what a what a responsibility! I mean, really, like taking care of, like feed my sheep, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, right? Yes. So, with that being said, you know, this is a man um, who is well acquainted with the struggles of the of mortality. Right. So and and his talk, like Shelby said before we started talk, uh, recording, mm-hmm. you know, this talk really focuses on the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you took the words from my mouth. Well, yeah. So I open it up to you now. How so, do you want to start off? I guess <laughs> this is going to sound really silly, but in the beginning of the talk, it talks about um, the temple, which was the Paris, France temple, and the the Christus was being lowered down. And um, this man, like, realizes who lived nearby, who was, like, a protester, I guess, or something like that to the church. I don't really know. He just – it doesn't really go into, right. like, detail, but I'm assuming he probably didn't like the church. He realizes that we're followers of Jesus Christ when this happens, right? And I thought about how many times someone goes, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I'm like, yes, I do. And it just, um, I don't know, it it reminded me of a time when you're, when, you know, some family members asked us if we believe in Jesus Christ. (laughs) And it's like, how do we communicate? This is my question to you, I guess. 
and maybe it was found in the talk and we can talk more about the atonement later, but how do we um, show members that we do believe in Jesus Christ? I mean, show others. You know what I'm saying? You know, if I could kind of like take this a little bit in a different route um, or a different way. Mm -hmm. So I think of it like, at my, at my work, at my job, I obviously want every customer who comes in to know how seriously we as a staff, like, take our, our jobs, right? You know, mm-hmm. we, we want to do a good job. And how we show the customer that we're serious about that is, is through consistency, mm-hmm. right? You can't come in like a whirlwind one day and be super friendly and doing everything right. And then another day you come in and and you lose the confidence of others. I think it's a long-term game. And I mean, it sure would be easy to just throw on a crucifix (laughs) and to, you know, praise Jesus at every opportunity, almost like, you know, the hypocrites in the corners of the temple. But... Um, I think at the last day, it's, it's so much more important that our family, uh, members, as well as those we come in contact with, they know that this person has lived a Christ-like life or a, a life devoted to Jesus Christ all their life. And that's a bigger deal than then here and now, some people thinking or, or like worrying, like, does, there, do, you know, does everybody know in my life that I'm a follower of Christ? Um, because it would be, not to digress, but it would be easy to kind of be down on yourself a little bit, right? Like, Well, I think, I think I asked the question because I thought to myself, how could they not know? You know, I just felt like, how could they not have seen that in me? And so I took it as what you're saying, like, am I not? portraying Christ in my countenance. Although I don't know, um, I don't want to say anything about those people, but their discernment could just be off because they're not spiritually honed in. Right. And they know you're a good person. They just don't equate that with the countenance of Christ. Gotcha. So it could be their spirituality, which is in question but it's interesting because as soon as the christus statue is getting lowered down it's immediately recognized right and i think it's the same thing when we share he later goes on to talk about the book of mormon when we share the book of mormon with others and people actually read it they read about jesus christ and it's like oh they do believe in jesus christ you know kind of like the same concept a little bit in a way, and also we always we remember more that he lived and that he lives rather than, you know, more of his death. We do recognize that he died, obviously, and that was very important. But we rejoice in the fact that he lives because we get to live again because of it. You know? Right. And we will die, but it's more fun to think about living again, right? Like being resurrected and being with your families and all because of our Savior Jesus Christ, which ultimately 
links back to the atonement, which we learn way more about in the Book of Mormon. So it's like this um, linking, which is why it's really key to gathering Israel. Because mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about Christ and his atonement, which leads me to, I'm going to skip far ahead in the talk just a little bit. I don't know if you wanted to go in order, but I'm skipping, <laughs> if I may. And it says, <laughs> the central message of the Book of Mormon is to restore the true knowledge of the essential role of Jesus Christ in the salvation and exaltation of mankind. So the Book of Mormon only came because of the restoration. And I'm reading, um, I've ta- I've quoted it before, but I'm reading The Continuous Atonement by Brad Wilcox. And this week I happen to be studying um, about who made God the enemy is the chapter. But basically, I'm going to quote what he says here about the restoration. It says, um, well, let me give you some preface before I quote it. Um, in the book, he's talking about the creation um, and this man, he's basically saying that I feel like I can't explain this very well because basically he tried to confound the elders and the elders didn't really have a response to say back, but I'll read, I'll read you what they said to him. They said, all of the talk All of this talk of debt and ransom sounds totally North American to me. Everything has a price tag. Everything has to cost money. Even salvation has to be paid for. The whole story of Jesus' suffering is nothing more than a capitalistic plot. (laughs) The elders tried to speak, but before they could get in a word, the man plowed ahead saying, If God does exist, he must be pretty mean and heartless to require someone's death as the price of salvation, especially someone who wasn't even guilty. And if Jesus is... God's son, God must be a pretty lousy father to make him do that. So that's the context. And I promise this is going to tie into the talk. Okay. That's the context of what's going on. So then um, we read forward and this is the talk about, or this is the part that I want to explain. Why did God require the sacrifice of Jesus? How does that pay any debt? Jesus prayed submissively, not my will, but thine. But why was his inexplicable, inexplicable suffering a horrible death? A horrible death, God's will. How is anyone supposed to love God? God who wills that. God is the one who placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and allowed them to tempt them. And so he's he's going off like they're asking. These are the questions they're asking. Okay, the missionaries are. And then it says, after listening to the whole experience, I said. Now you know why I'm glad I'm a Mormon. Questions like these have baffled many religious people and leaders for years, but they don't baffle us. The restoration of the gospel was not just another retelling of the same old stories. It was a restoration of complete truth that surrounds the stories with purpose and perspective. The story of the creation wasn't new. However, the restoration added the knowledge of the premortal existence. Now people could understand why God needed to create an earth for his children in the first place. And he keeps going on. And then he says this, the story of the atonement wasn't new, but the restoration added the knowledge of eternal laws in the spirit world. Now people could understand the reason for the rules and how opportunities to make correct choices are offered many times before any final judgment occurs. So that right there about the atonement 
and the restoration is basically what Elder uh, Bishop Koss is, I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah. what he's saying is that it's essential to restoring the true knowledge of the essential role of Jesus Christ, or else we're thinking, some people think like this man that I quoted in the beginning, right? It's it's very interesting how key the Book of Mormon is in understanding the atonement, but we only have that because of the restoration was like what I learned to in studying this, I should say. Yeah, I really like that because it, it ties back into the overall theme of this conference, which was the restoration of the gospel. Right. Um, so I really, I like that. It's a good find. Yeah, it was a really good story. And I'm, I'm sorry if it didn't make sense, but it just, I don't know, it was just a good story and I wanted to share it. I know I was reading from the book a lot. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, something that Bishop also talks about um, in his talk is the atonement being a remarkably personal and intimate gift uh, suited to each of us individual uh, individually. Yeah. And whenever I read stuff like that, I always think of Alma uh, chapter 7, oh. verse 11 and 12. And 13. <laughs> and, and 13, perhaps. Um, but it talks about how um, Christ takes upon himself all the, all the pains and the sicknesses and the afflictions of his people for the purpose that he knows how to succor them, how to, um, how to comfort them, right? Mm. And I know that that's a super important part of this of this focus on the Savior in our lives. Um, he is the only one who knows exactly how we're feeling at any given time. Everyone else, even our closest uh, acquaintances, can only try to empathize with us. Right. And it's interesting because you could have two family members going through the exact same like death of a loved one. But the death is going to feel different for each of them because they have different perspectives and they have different uh, views, right? They're not the same exact person. So even though someone can say, I understand how you feel, um, they don't fully, fully understand, right? Because you did have different views and different perspectives. Uh, but the one person who actually was in your shoes and saw this and felt it exactly how you felt it is the Savior, hmm. which that's kind of crazy to think about. I don't know how it works, but I'm grateful that it works. Hmm. I thought about, um, and I hope that this this makes sense as a, as a um, as an analogy or, or a good example, but uh, those, those people who suffer from addiction um, and, and abuse substances, you know, something that they do is they, they use that to cope, right? They're, they have, you know, mm -hmm. an issue, they have emotional 
um, or even physical uh, issues, and they supply themselves with that substance, which takes away their immediate concern, that pain, that right. the, those thoughts, things like that. And I've talked about in the past where when we try to get closer to God, if we put anything else in between us and God, and that could be, there could even be good things. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a drug. Mm -hmm. It could be a good thing. It could be, um, I really want to have a better life. And so I'm going to exercise and eat well. And you put that in front of you, right in front of your face. And that's what you're running toward, right? That's what you're always after. You're almost like obsessively, compulsively after it. Mm -hmm. That's not bringing you closer to God. I mean, it could bring you closer to a worthy state of being. But if you want to get closer to God, you have to put Christ there so that it lines up perfectly. And, and God in this context is like, is, is happiness or forgiveness, like all these things that we associate and most people associate with God is peace and heaven and, you know, eternity and all these things. People trying to get to happiness will put all these things as a substitute for Christ and it only works so far it only it only takes them so far right. when we put christ in there it takes us all the way hmm. i like that so those are my that's my that that has been only my experience because unlike jesus christ i don't know what anyone else is going through except for myself and what i found to be most helpful is just to put him right there in the center of everything that i do and it takes me to exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I can have confidence that I'm supposed to be there, even if it wasn't exactly where I thought I would end up. Because hmm. like he, he knows better. Yeah, of course. It's interesting because as you were like sharing your perspective on this, right? Hmm. I thought, you know, how did he come to know this? You know, like Kevin. Like, how oh, yeah. do you come to know all this? And I bet, I'm willing to bet it's because you read the Book of Mormon. <laughs> and you prayed about it. And you gained a testimony of it. And from there, I think everything trickled. Right? Because what did Joseph Smith say? He said, like, and this we declare that Jesus Christ lives or something and all other things our appendages onto it. Am oh I yeah. That right? the, the, yeah, I could, I could probably find it real quick. I think we quoted it last time on a book of Mormon podcast. Oh, okay. It's, you know, the, the, our religion is based on the, the testimony mm -hmm. of the prophets and the apostles mm -hmm. concerning Jesus Christ. And all things are only appendages of that right. thing or to it, which is, exactly what you were saying if you if you take that to like a personal life and, and put him at the center like you said everything else becomes an appendage mm -hmm. to it and it's for our benefit if we're focused on christ yeah doesn't mean it won't be hard because that's the other part that the atonement enables 
it, I mean, gives is it enables us, right? Like it keeps us, um, it keeps power. It's number five in the talk actually um, mm. on that list. Yeah. It says Christ not only washes away our sins, but he provides enabling power through which his disciples may put off the natural man. And then it keeps going on. So it's not only, it's just, I don't even know how to explain like what I'm thinking, (laughs) (laughs) but I do know that the atonement of Jesus Christ is very real and it's living. It's living because it covers those who have been born, those who are here and those who will be. You know, it's an infinite atonement. There is no end to it. Yeah. Um, something that the the imagery of, and this goes back to the beginning of the talk, the imagery of the Christus being lowered onto the temple grounds mm-hmm. reminds me, like, I can, I can really picture that being like a, a a Joseph Smith first vision experience, experience, right? Like, Hmm. you know, here comes this descending man, right? Right. And when you realize who he is, it changes everything. Right. For this opposer, right? This opponent of the church. Right. It changed everything for Joseph Smith. And when we, when we recognize Christ as our savior. Because we need a savior. Because we need a savior. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Because um, we need someone who, who can sucker us because no one else can. Um, when we, when we come to know him and recognize him as those things, it does change everything. And, and we become, like the scriptures say, a new creature in Christ. Uh, our way uh, of thinking, our behavior changes. And um, the bishop talks about the situation, uh, or the, the he references the scriptures in, in Alma. Uh, actually, I think it's probably in Mosiah. Oh, no, it is, it is in Alma. <laughs> well, because, you know, Alma shows yeah. up in a couple different books. Um, and he talks about that change of heart and, um, can you feel so now? Yeah. If you have experienced a change of heart, um, and if you have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I would ask, can you feel so now? Um, what's the context behind that, that scripture? Is it Alma five, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he is basically condemned, not condemning, but the people weren't being very righteous and he's trying to, uh, I I remember, right. He's trying to bring them to remembrance of their savior. Mm -hmm. And my mission president actually told me, um, that, well, let me take this back. The context, I believe all the people were kind of a little bit wicked and then they got converted and then he's like preaching to them. Okay. Just say it that way. Is why I believe. Um, but in chapter five, I mean, it's very long. <laughs> chapter five is very long in Alma. Yeah. But these are all really good questions to ask yourself. 
you know, like if, can you feel so now if you have been born again, you know, like if you were baptized, do you feel that same spirit you did in your baptized? Oh yeah. Um, just all the questions that he asked in Alma 5 are really good ones to ask yourself. Just as a little side note, if you want to do that for a study. Man, that's good. Good invitation. I'm <laughs> yeah. looking through them now and I was like, oh, this is, and all of these things bring you closer to Jesus Christ because none of these things are possible without him. So that's the other thing I was going to tell you is that the Greek translation, um, or the Greek translation of the Hebrew Jeshua which is for Jesus, stands for Jesus, meaning God is help or savior. Mm. So the translation provides that he's our literal savior or help, which is why we we need him. And it's interesting because sometimes like the man watching the descending um, statue, before that he didn't, I don't know if he thought that he needed a savior, right? Or I don't know what he was thinking, but it's interesting because I think we might, <laughs> we'll be like, Okay, perfect example. Let me let me step back. I was in what's called my life book today because um, I'm doing this um, weight loss thing, and <laughs> but it's a good thing. And I'm reading through it, and it it's talking about changing um, my mindset is what it's talking about. You know, not just reacting, but you know, taking time to think and breathe, and just reset your mindset when it comes to food. So anyway. It put, you have the, it was like, you have the power to make changes. You're in control of your life. You, 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 right. And I'm like, okay, yes, I know I have the power. And I, but I thought to myself, I can't do it without my savior. Like I can't do it alone because I'm falling. And so like the only way that I can really make this a part of who I am and, and really change my mind is through the savior, like, he can help me do that, and that's his enabling power. And so I think with the guy who saw the statue coming down, I think he realized, oh, my goodness, like, these people, they believe in a Savior. And here I was, like, saying they didn't. You know, like, he felt like he needed to change and repent. And it's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, once you recognize that you have a need for a Savior, a lot of things change. And whether that's you just see him descending or you realize it because you're at a kind of a low point or it's better to be humble than to be compelled to be humble. So do it before <laughs> when you're doing pretty good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Well, I think that's, I think we've covered all the things that the spirit wants us to cover uh, at least on this talk um i feel i feel content so that's always a good sign at the end of the conference talk episode okay i did want to share um one more or invite i guess would be the word is that when i think i quoted it earlier but it says plain and precious truths about the savior's atonement resound resound throughout the Book of Mormon. And then he gives a list of five things. And we kind of talked about all of them <laughs> in this talk uh, today. But I would invite you to pick one that you may not, what's the word, may not understand as much and study it this week and think about it a lot. And 
I promise your your testimony will strengthen of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That was my favorite prayer to talk to be honest with you. What's yeah. those five lists? That yeah, five points. Just those five points. If you just studied those for a week, um, it would be the equivalent to like a come follow me lesson. Mm. So yeah. if you if you got done with your come follow me, if you already listened to Christ Center Conversations, if you've this well the before podcast. Well yeah, but it includes oh, I see what you're saying. it includes yeah. both of our podcasts. Um then dive in <laughs> to this talk in those five bullet points or five numbered points and do a little study uh, and learn more about Jesus Christ. Until next time, in which we get to hear or read about Elder Renlin's uh, talk, which Elder Dale G. Renlin is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get to, we get to read and study his talk this week and we get to meet back here and, and go deep. So Brinley, my sister is giving a talk this Sunday on this talk and she lives in Utah and she's like, your conference talk. Do you have this talk like recorded yet? Oh, yeah. You know, like your thoughts on it. Cause it would really help me. And I'm like, Oh girl, we're one week behind. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe we should have her on next week to share her insights. That would be pretty legit. Yeah. Anyway, just had to throw it out there. All right, y'all. We'll have a great week, um, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. What's something you learned from this episode of Conference Talk? What are your thoughts, impressions, or feedback for us? Be sure to write them down and let us know via Facebook or Instagram at Christ Center Conversations. Press forward, Saints!